John chapter 19, verse 30 is our text for today. John chapter 19, verse 30. And we are going to next week have the final sermon in this series of the seven sayings from uh, the cross. This is the sixth today. But uh, if you missed any and you'd like to rehear it, uh, go to our website, centralbaptistocala.org, and uh, you can find it on there. And it, it's a series that will be on there and, and from now on. So uh, I would encourage you to go there and listen to these sermons, and they will lead right up into next Sunday, which is the last Sunday of that, and the following Sunday is Easter. All right, John chapter 19 and verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now shall we pray. Father, here's someone that has suffered so greatly, not only at the hands of man, but at the hands of Almighty God's wrath. On his human spirit. And yet, when the fight is over, he's in full control. He makes his final proclamation for man to hear when he says, It is finished. And then he bows his head and he'll make his final proclamation. And I'll Pray, Lord, as we preach that one next week, that it'll be just the fullness that perhaps a soul without the Savior will need to be saved. But, Lord, they may not have till next week. Today may be their last day of life. So I pray that today be the day they come to Jesus Christ. And we'd ask this in his precious and holy name. Amen. Well, as we've been following these sayings on the cross, this is the sixth saying, and he has now finished the three hours where the skies were dark, the Father was pouring out his wrath upon him, and, and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so going through all of that, now we come to this sixth saying, and he says, it is finished. But have you ever asked yourself, what was he talking about? What is finished? Just what is finished? Well, first of all, it is finished concerning the, all the prophecies of his first coming. Every one of them were fulfilled. The victim, Jesus Christ, is now the victor, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. The suffering is over. The work is completed on the cross. The veil is rent in two. And the gates of heaven are now open for you and I to, if we're saved, if you're saved, to go in and out to his mercy seat through prayer. The word finished says so much. The basis of our salvation is wrapped up in that one word, finished. Finished. That word finished, we find in it the ground for our assurance. In Cuba years ago, it was even before Fidel Castro, but they were going to execute a man 
they had accused him of being a spy. And just before the moment he was to be executed by firing squad, a car drives up from the embassy. Two men gets out. And as they get out, they, they walk over to him. One wraps him in a British flag. The other one wraps him in an American flag. And then they turn to the executioners and say, fire on the flags for whom these countries stand if you dare. With that, they released the man to them, and they took him back to the embassy. And you see, he was protected not by, not by his own wisdom, by what those flags stood for. I will be in heaven, not by my works, not by my righteousness, but by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood and his resurrection. <clears throat> That's why I'll be there. The devil accuses us before God night and day. Matter of fact, he would want us executed. He would want us to immediately die and go to hell. Remember Job? The Lord told him, you can do anything you want to his, to his body, but you can't kill him. You see, Job was spared because the Lord said, you can't kill him. If Satan has his way, every human being would be killed immediately and be in hell. But he can't have his way. Well, here he is now. He accuses us night and day. When my sin is named, and by the way, he doesn't have to lie about our sins. He is the father of lies, and he will make up things. But he doesn't have to lie about us. We've got sins, and we have sins daily. But as soon as he says, look at him, <clears throat> just like with Job, yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, but look at all you gave him. Take that all away. He, will, he won't like you. He won't do anything for you. But the opposite was proved. God knew that. God knew that. He could trust Job with suffering. He could tr trust Job with far greater suffering than you and I have ever suffered. But nonetheless, when the devil cries out about me, the voice of the Lord appears, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ he comes. Why? Because he is our advocate. And as our advocate, he cries out in our behalf. Let him say what he wants to say. But the Lord always has to say, that's true. But the penalty's been paid. It's over with. Jesus paid it all. <clears throat> in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, it says this, uh, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He didn't leave out righteous. Why? Because I'm accepted not in my righteousness. I'm accepted in His righteousness. I stand before God in His name, not my own name. It's in Jesus Christ that we have victory. You know, as an advocate, He cries out for me. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. doesn't matter where you've been. 
Doesn't matter how bad you are or think you are. No matter if you think you could even be worse or matter, no matter if you've been worse, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord Jesus intercedes for you and me every day, night and day, before the throne of God, as the devil attacks us. But I like that he ever liveth to make intercession. Why? It's what he lives for. He ever liveth. He, he lives for this. In heaven, when Satan accuses us, he swoops in immediately. And once again, he says, paid. It's taken care of. It is finished. Everything is taken care of. Everything is finished. Nothing else to be taken care of. Kind of swooping in there like an eagle and bears us up on eagle's wings, as the Bible would say. He has ascended into heaven to be our advocate. Think of that. He advocates for us. He endured the totality of outpoured wrath of the Almighty on his human spirit for all sin, for all men, for all time. <laughs> Hallelujah, what a Savior. All that remains for him to give up is the ghost, to be buried, and then the resurrect. Do you realize that since this is what God demanded, if you think you're going to get to heaven on your own, then you've got to be able to die and let God pour out his almighty wrath on your human spirit like it was poured out on Christ. And then die and be buried. And then three days later, by your own power, resurrect and make your body eternal. I mean, if I could make my body a turtle now, I'd do it, except I would change some things about this body. You can't do that, and I can't do that. We need a Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He does it for us. Yes, all that remains is for him to do that. And once he does it, everlasting life can be ours when we receive him. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, he paid it all. He paid it all. <clears throat> That's God's gift to us. But just like any gift, it must be received. It's received through repentance and faith. Trust in Christ and Christ alone for your eternity. You're giving yourself to him because he's already given himself for you. The first coming prophecies are now fulfilled. We're told that there were at least 40 prophecies. I believe there may have been more, but there's at least 40 prophecies of his first coming. But there's not any prophecy of his first coming that was left unfulfilled. Every one was fulfilled. There are two lines of prophecy concerning Jesus Christ throughout the scriptures. There's the one of his first coming in which everyone is fulfilled. But then there are prophecies of his second coming. And there remain many of those to be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, 
we wait the rapture. Following the rapture, there's a tribulation period. Following the tribulation period, Jesus Christ comes the second time to actually touch earth. The rapture, we just meet him in the clouds. Uh, at the second coming, he touches earth and we meet him. That is yet to come. Then there's a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on earth where the earth will know the greatest prosperity it has ever known. In health, in supply, in every which way. Satan will be allowed to attack one more time and he'll be cast into that eternal lake of fire forever. There'll be a great white throne judgment where those who died without Christ will be cast in there with him. And then we enter into the eternal reign of Christ. My friend, all of that is told about in the Bible and just like his first coming, it was all fulfilled. Everything about his second coming will be fulfilled. In the first coming, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. You think about that. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Some of you became a Christian, maybe from a hard family, maybe from an unsaved family, became a Christian. You found that many would not receive you. Some came from, you might say, carnal Christian families. And boy, you got, uh, you got right with God. You got things right. You were really serving him. And even those carnal Christian families, they didn't want much to do with you. Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. But you know, that attitude will be the same way before the second coming. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, we read this. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. <laughs> you even see that in the news today, scoffing the things about Jesus Christ. Walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Even that is a lie. As this day, as that day, shall I say, men mix prophecy with modernism. And they say, well, Jesus is not coming again physically. They even said about his resurrection, it wasn't physical, many of them. But it was a spiritual thing. And, and Jesus is coming again spiritually. Spiritually, he's already here. He's in my heart, I know. But my friend, all their well-stated beliefs will not change anything. They won't prevent the rapture. They won't prevent anything of future prophecy. He said it is finished. All scriptures were fulfilled about that first coming. In the second coming, we read in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 17, and the seventh angel's uh, poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. That's just like saying, it is finished. All these second coming prophecies will be fulfilled in totality. Yes, it has all been fulfilled concerning the first coming prophecies. It is also finished, it is finished concerning his sufferings. 
Jesus is called a man of sorrows. Why? Well, he suffered at the hand of men. He suffered at the hands of Satan. And then he suffered at the hands of Almighty God in his wrath. His father. Man's punishment was physical. Satan's work was tempting him. It was working on his soul, his feelings. Hey, you can be over all these kingdoms. It's mine to give. <laughs> Jesus said, get thee behind me. You only to bow and worship me, worship God. He let him know. He straightened him out. But that was his soul. But God the Father does the greatest amount of work in pouring out wrath upon his human spirit to the deepest part of his inner man because that's why where sin begins, it's in the deepest part and it reaches out to all of our life. And Jesus endured it all. And all the wrath of man that was poured out of all the wrath of Jesus that was poured, uh, uh, Satan that was poured out, all the wrath of God that was poured out, he endured. When he was born, he lived his life knowing what was ahead for him. He knew that. He knew all the details. Yet he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He made himself of no reputation. He did it for us. We didn't deserve it, but he did it. Hallelujah, what a Savior. It is finished concerning his prophecies. It is finished concerning all the sufferings. And it is finished concerning the work of redemption. You see... Jesus completely finished the task. There was no more needs to be done in order to save our soul. You, you say, do you believe in a work salvation? I sure do. Thing is, though, Jesus did all the work. I can't. He did it. So, yeah, I believe in a work salvation. From his point, he did it all. From our point, it's not works. It's by faith. It's by repentance and faith. We receive it. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Never does say that to any that work hard enough, they'll be saved. Never does say that in the Bible. So it's finished concerning redemption. He's done it all. There are three persons in the Godhead. Three divine persons in one divine essence. We say the Trinity. Trinity is not a uh, Bible word, but it is a Bible teaching. And so we see three divine persons in one divine essence. Each person has a definite task. God the Father was tasked with the government of the universe. He rules. It's the work of his hands. It is my personal belief that the hardest work he ever tried and did in his created world was to pour out his omnipotent wrath for the sin of us all, for all time, 
when all of it was placed upon his son. That sin that was placed on his son did not stop the judgment on sin in its totality. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 53 says it pleased the Lord to bruise him because God's attitude about sin never changes. And even when it was his only begotten son, his attitude did not change. It's interesting, you read in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 10, it says there uh, that uh, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nations and the hands and the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. That's what God did. He bears the arm, the Bible says there in Isaiah 52, 10. No, Hebrew is a picture language. And what that picture's for you is a man rolling up the sleeves. And he's going to do a heavy work, one of the heaviest works that he would ever do. The hardest work that he'd ever do. And he's rolled up the sleeves to do that work. God, who spoke the worlds into existence, the hardest work that he had to do was to bear his arm to do the Hard work of pouring out his wrath on his only son. But his holiness never changed. Oh, God loves his son, but he hates sin. God is holy. Man's view of that is the same way. Who hath, in Isaiah 53, 1, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? See, man knows that Jesus died on the cross. You can go around America and find crucifixes. You can find people talking about this Easter. You'll see a lot of that. But listen, man's view is, it's not a great work. I mean, why did I need all of that? That's man's view. But man is not basically good. You know what? I never had to teach my kids how to lie. They just observed their mother. No, no, not really. Uh, I never had to teach them how to lie. I, I never had to teach them how to do bad things. I never had to do any of that. But we did have to teach them what is right. Why? Because when we're born, we're born with a sin nature, and it's basically a sin nature. Okay? It's basically bad. So we need that. Jesus' task was to die on the cross. He had the option of of calling 12 legions of angels. But he remained. Why? Because God so loves the world. Hallelujah, what a Savior. He would never sacrifice his holiness to save man. If there was a way to escape it, he would have, but not to defy the holiness of God, his own holiness. Sin must be punished and there was no other way. And Jesus paid it all. The Holy Spirit's task is working in men to accomplish the will of God. Not interfering with man's free will. Since God created man in his own image and God is a spirit and that spirit has a free will. We read of the Holy Ghost that he moved upon the... uh, Upon the deep, on the face of the deep, in creation. He was a part of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's a part of creation. 
And we find out in the scriptures that he convicts men of sin. The Bible says in John 16, of sin, of righteousness, what you ought to do, and of judgment to come. People don't like you to preach on any of those. Hey, it's always on sin. When you start preaching on righteousness, what you ought to do, they get up. Well, he shouldn't be telling us that we need to do this and do that. Oh, he's just trying to scare people if you preach on judgment. Well, you better get scared. Every one of us will give an account of himself unto God. Every one of us will give an account of himself unto God. Yes, he convicts us in, in the righteousness and of judgment to come. He interprets the Bible. He's the power behind every word in the Bible because he breathed out every word of the Bible to each of those holy men who wrote those words that are in your Bible today, preserved them in our King James Bible, or should I say the Texas Receptus of the Greek and the Hebrew text, Masoretic. It was preserved for us. Who in the world would think that a God who is so great that he created the heaven and the earth is so weak that he cannot preserve his word? At least be intelligent about it if you don't believe it. Yes, a preacher preaches or teaches the word. A Sunday school teacher teaches teaches the word. A Christian goes out and witnesses the word. In each of those cases, it's the Holy Ghost that's behind that witness if we use the word. When we get away from the word, we're leaving the Holy Ghost. When God created, he said, it is finished. When the Holy Ghost finished breathing out the word of God to the holy men of old, the cannon was closed, and he could say, it is finished. Woe to him that adds to or takes away from this word. And I tell you what, the guy in the New King James, which was Henry Morse, and the guy on uh, the, the New International Version, no, excuse me, the Revised Standard Version. Both of them said the same thing. They said, I was wrong. They were afraid of God's judgment for that. If that tells you anything. Yes, woe to him. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. It's finished. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus came for that purpose. No one will ever have to add a thing or take anything away from what he did to save a soul. Jesus paid it all. Revelation 5 and verse 9 says it this way, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Today, Jesus says in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, Look unto me. All ye ends of the earth, and be saved. For I am God, and there is none else. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're strong or weak, whether you're moral or immoral, whether you're good or bad, all men need to be saved. And his blood is not limited in its atoning of value. For whosoever will, Jesus said, let him come to me. Whosoever will, let him come unto me and drink of the water of life freely. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says that God, God, would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 
2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. Not any should perish. Not any. But that all, all, all should come to repentance. Because they have a free will created in his image, they don't all come to repentance. But what I'm saying is simply this. How many times does it have to be whosoever, all, for you just to take God at his word instead of men that try to mess that up and say something else? Trust God. Look, the guy with the most education at a Bible college that has three or four or five different doctorates after his name all earned does not have the knowledge and the wisdom that the Holy Ghost that came to live in you when you got saved has. Whenever there's a contradiction between what the Bible says and what whoever that professor is says, believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. And pray for that professor because he will give an account one day before God. You see, he won't cast you out. He did all the work to pay for my sin, for your sin, for all men's sin, for all time. Jesus Christ in his humanity, with his human spirit, allowed the outpoured wrath of God upon his human spirit, and he was able to say, it is finished. Paid for in its entirety. Oh, what a Savior. He put off robes of royalty for garments of sinful humanity when he came. He put off a golden crown of heaven for a crown of thorns at the cross. I only must come to him in repentance and faith. You ever hear people say, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> but it's just. I mean, it's not fair for Jesus to pay everything I, for all the sin I've ever done. It's not fair for him. No, it's not fair, but he did it. Why? Because he loves us. And because he's holy, he did not let anything go by. Everything was punished. If people do not receive him, they reject him, they'll go to a lake of fire really feeling dumb because they're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever because they were too self-righteous or they were too much on themselves to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus wants to save you. Salvation's not a matter of doing the best you can. It's not a matter of religious works. It's not being confirmed. It's, it, it's not any of those things. It's not saying, well, you know what? If, if I'm very, do a lot of philanthropy, if I, if I, if I have benevolence and, and charity for all good things and for others, uh, I should merit something. Well, you won't merit heaven. You won't merit everlasting life that way. Nice that you do that, but it doesn't merit a thing. None of that can accomplish what he accomplished on the cross. 
When you see what God poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross, how could we ever think that we could earn it? No. There's no way. He paid it all. The omnipotent wrath of God on his human spirit. The human spirit that we have that was created in God's holy image required this payment by the judge of the universe. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah, what a Savior. I want to close with this illustration. Years ago, an evangelist, uh, and many years ago when that was the big deal, you know, they would go into a place and they'd set up tents and have tent revivals. And they'd go on for weeks sometimes. The evangelist was there the next day taking down the tent after the last day of the revival. And a young man comes up to him and said, what must I do to be saved? And the evangelist looked at him and says, well, you're too late, buddy. That young man looked at him. You mean because the revival meeting is over? I, I, I'm too late that I cannot get saved? Evangelist Adam said, You're too late by hundreds of years. Jesus paid it all. It's already been taken care of. You just must admit that you're a hell-bound sitter that deserves sin's wages. Separation from God forever in the lake of fire. The wages of sin is death. But you are humbly coming, asking him to forgive you, not by your merit, but just as a sinner, to cleanse you by his blood and to save your soul. And to make you what you ought to be. And you're saying, you've done it all for me. I'm giving yourself, myself to you just like a man and woman gives themselves to each other in marriage. Lord, save me. And you too can know if you believe the Lord and just take God at his word, you either got to think that God lies or he tells you the truth. I've never known him to lie. He said he would not in any wise cast you out if you come to him. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you today can see that it is finished. And what he meant by it is finished, he meant now there's a way for every human being on the face of the planet for all time from that day forward to go to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ, but only through him. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father, but by me. Central Baptist Church won't get you to heaven. Rome won't get you to heaven. The JWs won't get you to heaven. Believe it or not, the Democrats or Republicans won't get you to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. If you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, I hope that you'll come to him. Let's bow our heads, please.